Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now, my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Jesus says in this passage today, now my soul is troubled. Now my soul is troubled. Do you ever think of Jesus having a troubled soul? I do not normally think of Him as having a troubled soul. If you read through this Gospel of John, Jesus is one who's always under control. He's calm. He's measured. He's in control. Nothing seems to faze Him. And yet even John records Jesus sharing this with His disciples that His soul is troubled. But this passage is one in which Jesus is reflecting on His own death. And when we face our own death, it is troubling for Jesus For you, for me. We all face a good deal of death these days. Since the advent of the 24-7 news cycle, where we get news reports from all over the world, and now we have push notifications we can get on our watches or on our phones, it's easy to receive a death notice every day every day to be interrupted by news that somebody else in the human family has died. We've even had an inordinate number of deaths here at Boston Avenue this year. We have so many who have lost ones that they have known and loved for most of their lives, and now they have lost them. It can be troubling. A constant onslaught of death impacts us. 
I wonder about how these news reports of carnage from across our country and around the world that seem to come in day in and day out are impacting our collective souls. But perhaps it draws us closer to the specter of death as it was in the days of Jesus. Because certainly death was apparent and obvious in the Roman Empire. We read about the Pax Romana or the Peace of Rome, and in some ways it was a wonderful thing, but it came with a cost. It was enforced by a very large army, a group of people who knew their job and were not afraid to keep local populations in check with whatever means possible, whatever violence required. They did not shy away from using crucifixion along the main roadways of any village or town or city to be a reminder to any who might want to rebel. Bad idea. We will keep the peace, if you will. So surely as Jesus lived in the territory controlled by the Romans, He was aware of death. And now when we reach this point in John's Gospel, He has gone to Jerusalem on purpose. And certainly He has encountered the Roman soldiers there. And it would be on His mind what can happen when you challenge the Romans. John tells us that Jesus is reflecting on His own death. And He is troubled. troubling for Him can be troubling for us. The good news is that there is help for us in facing death in this passage. For Jesus is teaching that we miss the point of our lives if we focus too much on our own personal lives or even on the beauty of our life together. He casts this idea that He wants us to grasp by talking about a seed of grain. It was in verse 24. Jesus is speaking and says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If it dies, it bears much fruit, this single grain. Do you have that image of single grain growing into wheat? If we were a video church, I would just pop up a picture on the screen of a field plowed, nothing but earth, brown dirt. Then I would show you another one, and it would be little sprigs and sprouts of green. And then I could show you another, or maybe if we were really fancy, we would have time elapsed video and it would show you these sprouts growing into stalks of green, finally heading out into wheat green, finally turning gold and waving in the wind. And you would have the picture of what Jesus is talking about, of what happens with a single seed of grain and how it can grow into a bountiful harvest, a field full of grain, multiplying exponentially larger than you could believe when you first saw the grain go into the soil. 
Do you have the picture? Something so small and simple that can become something so large and grand. Jesus uses two images here in a row to help us try to grasp the immensity of what He's talking about. First, He uses the single seed of grain and how it can blossom and grow into a full harvest bearing much fruit. But then He follows that with the next one where He compares our lifetime here to life that is infinite or eternal. Single seed, huge harvest. Your life here, life eternal. Life with God beyond death. Jesus wants to change the context of how we think about our life and especially how we think about our death. He wants to broaden our perspective and invites us to think about these images that can help us grasp what He's talking about. J.M.C. Crum is a poet and a hymn writer. In the very year this building was dedicated, 1928, he wrote a hymn. It's in our hymnal still. It's number 311. It's one of my all-time favorites. Now the green blade rises. I want you to hear, as he uses this same image from our text today, what he writes. Now the green blade rises from the buried grain. Wheat that in the dark earth many days has lain. Love lives again, that with the dead has been. Love is come again, like wheat that springeth green. In the grave they laid him, love who had been slain, thinking that he never would awake again. Laid in the earth like grain that sleeps unseen, Love is come again like wheat that springeth green. Or Natalie Sleeth, one of our more contemporary hymn writers, brand new hymn when this hymnal came out some years ago, number 707, Hymn of Promise, she wrote, she captures this same concept. In the bulb, there is a flower. In a seed, an apple tree, in cocoons, a hidden promise. Butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and snow of winter, there's a spring that waits to be unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. And then in verse 3, she writes this. In our end is our beginning. In our time, infinity. In our doubt, there is believing. In our life, eternity. In our death, a resurrection. At the last, a victory. Unrevealed until its season. 
something God alone can see. But God reveals it to any who have ears to hear through Jesus. Through this passage we read today, there is a revelation for us about life and death. Jesus is speaking and in verse 28. He says, Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. That is, I have glorified it in Your birth and in Your life. I will glorify it again in Your resurrection. Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the risen Christ, will find His glory through His death and resurrection. God is doing this work so that we might believe. Jesus is reflecting with His disciples so that they might come to believe, that they might be able to grasp this larger picture of what God is doing in the world and in your life. So they might be able to comprehend a little more this perception that God is doing something magnificent. That there's something larger and grander and so much greater going on than we tend to perceive in our daily routine And Jesus is trying to change the context so that we can see this promise of God that is being embodied in His very life and death. It is a spiritual perspective that says through Jesus Christ we can see that we can trust God even in death. Dr. Robert Mulholland passed away himself not so long ago. He was a Bible scholar and wrote a whole variety of books on the Christian life and spiritual life. I want to read you just a few sentences from one of his books because I think he captures the difficulty for us in grasping this idea. He suggests that most of us look for a way to follow Christ with a minimum of inconvenience, pain, or suffering. He writes, We have so emphasized the life dimension of the gospel that we have avoided coming to grips with its death dimension. We have avoided the fact that in the gospel, life comes out of death, not out of life and when i read that i feel convicted i think oh that's me i want to focus on the positive i want to look at the bright side i want sunny days no rainy days i want smooth seas no turbulent seas let's accentuate the positive but this perspective from jesus takes us into deeper truths about life Jesus says there is a broader experience here. And we all know it's true. There is good and bad. There is joy and suffering. There are ups and downs. There is lightness and dark. And there is life and death. But Jesus extends an invitation to all of us 
to believe that there is more than just death. Verse 32, when he is still speaking, he says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to Myself. It's an invitation to believe. It's an invitation to trust that God has revealed to us in Christ something we can count on. Something that gives us deeper truth and insight about life and death. It is our salvation, if you will, to trust God in all things. In life. In death. In life beyond death. This passage tells us that Jesus is troubled. He's thinking about His own death and He is troubled. And yet, He has this spiritual truth, this insight, this wisdom that more is happening than just His physical life and death. That God indeed is at work Just like a seed that goes into the earth can sprout and grow and bear much fruit, the same is true for you and me. He's inviting us to believe, to grasp and trust that God is at work even now in your life. Jesus offers us a larger perspective, a different way to think about who we are, and what our own lives and deaths mean. As I was reading over and over this text, I remembered a story that I'd read years and years ago. The story said, imagine a convention of five-year-olds and the one who's the chairman stands up and adjusts his bib and says, I'm here to tell you we can't trust our parents because they allow too much suffering. I mean, after all, they allow cats with claws in the house. They allow pointed furniture everywhere. They allow knives with sharp edges and concrete that will tear the skin off your knees. Just look at my knees if you need any evidence. Or look at my hands and arms. All I was trying to do was play with the cat. Five-year-olds have a truncated perspective about life. They can't see the bigger picture yet. Jesus is saying, step back. See the broader perspective. This season of Lent invites us to go deeper into considering the truth of our life and of our death. St. Francis has this prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of Your peace. I did a whole sermon series on it where we had opportunity to study it line after line. We handed out cards so that you could pray it with me over those several days. But it's also in our United Methodist hymnal. It's number 481. We focused when we were doing the sermon series on the first stanza and the lines there. I want to close today with this last stanza. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled 
as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And thanks be to God.